Welcome back to the Fresh Produce Podcast. Today's going to be an awesome show because we have Heath Ledger himself, aka Bryce Roberts, calling in from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. What's up, dude? Hey, what's up? Are they going to see a picture of me so that they understand the Heath Ledger reference? Probably not, so don't worry about it. That's no, good. I'll definitely have a picture. Because I've gained like 30 pounds mm-hmm. since people have told me I used to look like <laughs> Heath Ledger. It's like, that's not Heath Ledger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's dead, man. He's dead. So Bryce is a fellow audio engineer and friend whom I met while interning at Quad Studios in Nashville. And he has worked with many names like Kenny Chesney, Hootie and the Blowfish, Willie Nelson, Rascal Flats, Deep Purple Fish, Old Crow Medicine Show, and the list keeps growing. Oh, you looked Bryce, at my all music. I did. So thanks for taking the time out of your day to let me talk trash about you. You're welcome. Have at it. Um, I'm sure that like most engineers don't really feel like they've gone anywhere because we're too busy to actually stop and smell the roses. But you've managed to work with some heavy hitters in the industry. Tell us about your journey and when you had that, like, I made it moment. Uh, Yeah, you're definitely right that you don't really realize the success you've had because you're just kind of, you never feel completed. And I definitely feel that way. But basically, my journey was, uh, you know, I kind of took the traditional route of going to school um, got a degree and kind of got my foot in the door at quad where we met with an internship and just got really lucky. Just, uh, ended up being the guy, the henchman at the front desk, just answering the phone and whatnot. I would say the first time that I felt like I actually did something that I was really proud of was working with old crow medicine show. It just kind of felt like it was, uh, it, the album ended up winning a Grammy and I was just the assistant engineer wow. on it. But even during before before the Grammys came about, uh, I just felt like it was a powerful album, and I was already an Old Crow Medicine Show fan. So that was the first kind of pinch me moment with being around nice studios like that. It just kind of clients just kept rolling in, and uh, the longer I just stuck around and, and didn't get fired, the the more <laughs> big names I was able to work with. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like. I don't know, man. I was that guy who was like, I'm going to wear a button up T-shirt and have it tucked in, even though that's not me, because (laughs) I want to show that I'm a good boy. And it's totally not that way. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely was always um, the reason I kind of got into the music business, knowing that it was going to be tough to make a living um, was because I knew I could kind of be myself and uh being just passionate about music that could always drive me to keep going. So yes, I would say it's important just to be yourself in the studios. And, um, if people like you, I mean, that's how, that's how you get the gigs yeah. for sure. Yeah. You really stood out to me while I was there. Cause I don't know, I guess as an intern, you're kind of expecting people to treat you a certain way, like go get me this and that. And you were very more involved in the actual music side of things, like where you were more open to like, having us in the rooms and mm-hmm. and explaining things to us. And I remember like even before I left quad, I was like, dude, I know I'm not there anymore, but do you mind still letting me try to get signed off? And I failed big time and you were like, yeah, you probably should go kill yourself. Is that what I said? No, nah, you didn't, but <laughs> I, I felt it. 
Yeah. No, but I, I really appreciated that. That's one thing that always stood out for me uh, about you is that you were just kind of like, you could tell that it was more of a passion about music because you really cared about other people. And, and that's how you kind of know, you know, versus like some of the other people that are kind of douchey. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. There's, I've worked with a lot of producers and engineers that have an ego and I feel like that's, that was more, um, prevalent kind of back in the day. A lot of the older guys, when there was more money in the music business and more power in the music business and the, the reality now is that there's not, there's not really power or money in it. And everybody is just trying to make a living, you know, and trying to progress their skills. So I think, you know, the people that have the egos, especially lower on the totem pole in the music business, and I still consider myself pretty low on the totem pole, there's just no room for it. Yeah, it's just not productive. And it's a lot more fun if you just are friends with everyone that's around you than, you know, whether they're interns or musicians or what have you just makes it more fun for everybody so yeah so you probably know that i'm gonna bring this up because it's one of my favorite stories about you but how much like rap or hip-hop have you done (laughs) oh man (laughs) uh so since the story that you're trying to get me to talk about i've i have not done any basically (laughs) (laughs) for real (laughs) um yeah unfortunately but no well mostly because i've just been working out a big a really just large studio and, and hip hop, you don't normally need just a large studio to work in. Right. So, um, but yeah, so <laughs> were you there that day? I wasn't, okay. I was in Mississippi and I remember you text me, you were like, uh, young bucks in the studio. And I was like, what? Cause the one time I decided to go home and I, and then you, so you can go ahead and tell the story. Yeah, yeah. You were there. <laughs> so the story is, this was like right when I, was just working at the front desk. Like I hadn't really done very many assisting gigs or engineering gigs yet. And, um, it was young bucks. I think it was his first studio session after getting out of prison. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and so he kind of had this whole posse with them. And when I say posse, I mean, it's just like a total club. Like people just kept flowing in and this, this was at like midnight or something, you know, just one of those late night sort of hip hop last minute bookings. And, um, and it was basically just, I was, it was me and like an intern. I can't remember who it was that was there, but we were the only people in the whole studio. And so then all of a sudden the studio is just like a club, you know, (laughs) and it's just like, people just keep flowing in. There's just like a wave of smoke throughout the whole building, you know, and there's just like no (laughs) way to control this many people with just like me who's, you know, meek and weak anyways. And then just like this intern that was like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. (laughs) But anyways, like everything stayed cool. They're doing their thing. And I can just tell that people are kind of getting more and more fucked up as the night went on. Because, you know, they're all probably seeing people for the first time in a while and all that. Yeah. And then the uh, engineer that was working on the session just kind of gets up and like kind of stumbles through the hallway and just like walks out the front door and just bounces. <laughs> so before I know it, young bucks, uh, manager comes up to me and he's like, Hey man, we need to find a new engineer. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Um, I'm trying to be all professional. Like, yeah, let me, uh, let me, let me call some guys that I know. And, uh, so I hit up some of my friends, like, uh, and it's like, you know, one or two in the morning at this point, I hit up Brett Lind yeah. and he's like, 
you know, like I'm out at the bar or drunk. I'm not going to come in and work some dumb session right now. <laughs> and then I hit up another guy and it's like a similar answer. I can't get anybody to come in all the hip hop guys. Nowadays, I would have just called you if you were in town. Like, whoa. See, yeah, I don't, I don't actually, I probably would have just man up and done the session and figured it out. But <laughs> so, uh, so I call everybody and I tell the guy like, man, I don't know. Is there anybody, you know, like I can, you know, I can reach out to whoever, but all my guys are busy. You know, it's like two in the morning, last minute. And, uh, he kind of goes just like, man, man, why don't you just do it? And I'm like, oh, my heart kind of drops, you know, because I'm just like, one, I'm like social anxiety anyways. So this many people just to like have to perform in front of is stressful as hell to me. And two, I was just like barely had started doing this, you know, professionally. So I was like, oh, I don't know. I kind of really need to be here and like, you know, watch the front door (laughs) and answer the phone. You know, who knows if the phone's going to (laughs) ring. Um, he's like, come on, man, just get up there and do it. It's easy. It's easy. He basically like peer pressures me into it. So I go into the, um, the control room of studio C, you know, there's like a cloud of smoke right when I open the door and like the record kind of screeches whenever I open the door. It's like (laughs) I'm the only (laughs) white dude in the building, you know, and they're all, they're all like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Um, so I go and I just sit down in the chair and I'm just like staring at this session that's pulled up and like nothing's labeled you know i'm like i'm trying to (laughs) figure figure out what's going on and i look up and the game is in the vocal booth like what you know with like his like smug face looking at me i was like oh fuck (laughs) so um and they're all just waiting on me basically and uh i will say the one thing i did right is like he, while he was talking, he was talking to somebody and like, I kind of fixed the vocal sound. I felt like the vocal sound was all kind of jacked up. You know, uh-huh. it was like the, the gain staging was all jacked up. That's the only thing I knew how to do. It was like the gain staging, like use my school skills, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I'm, I kind of mess with his vocal and then he's like, all right, all right, let's go. Let's go hit me with the verse. And, uh, you know, this hip guy, you know how the hip hop guys are more than I do. I mean, they're just fast pace, you know, yeah, you got to keep like, them, keep their back, creativity flowing they don't want to be waiting on you at all. And I feel like I'd be better at it now. But at that time I was not as pro tool savvy as I am now. And so I was like, all right, man. So I like queued up to the verse and and hit play and he starts, he starts rapping or whatever. Um, and it's all, it's all sounding legit. And then he stops me and he's like, all right, uh, give me that echo. And I'm like, cool, man. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'll get you that echo. And so I, I brought up just like uh, just a basic delay. So I don't, you know, I don't listen to a whole lot of hip hop, uh, especially not then. I do more now. But at that time, uh-huh. I was like, yeah, just a delay, I guess. And so I, I threw up like an eighth note delay or something. Uh-huh. And I, I hit him up with the verse again. And he kind of stops me after a couple of lines. He's like, no, 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 that ain't it. And I'm like, oh, shit. And my heart kind of stops again. I'm like, uh, OK. Yes, sir, uh, Mr. Game. Let me see what else we got here. <laughs> I'm like digging through these plugins, pull up a different delay, and um, I do like, I don't know, like a quarter note thing or like a maybe a dotted quarter or something with a feedback on it or something, you know. Yeah. And um, And I hit play again, and he's rapping, and he stops again. He's like, that ain't it. <laughs> he just says that ain't it. 
and I have no idea what he's talking about or what he wants. And I'm like, man, well, can you kind of explain what you're, what you're feeling or, and he kind of goes, man, it's that same shit. Everybody wants, you should know this shit. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Okay. Uh, I was like, all right, man, let me try this. And like the whole room's kind of getting kind of <laughs> uncomfortable right quiet. now. They're just like, you can hear people like murmuring to each other. I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck, I look like an idiot right now. And uh, so then I, I put on a fucking like slap delay, <laughs> like, you know, short feedback, <laughs> short uh, pre-delay time and whatnot. And <laughs> he starts going and it's like a fucking slap delay on his vocal. And he stops immediately and he goes, this ain't Led Zeppelin, dog. <laughs> and I was like, like shit. iconic line, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this guy, first of all, it's like impressive how well he knows. Like, this is this totally is a Led Zeppelin, like, slap delay. <laughs> I was like, this guy listens to his classic rock. Cool. All right. All right. Uh, but yeah, he's like, fuck, he's like noticeably pissed right now. He's like pissed that this guy doesn't know what he wants and is just trying to bullshit him. And, uh. And I'm kind of upset too, trying to defend myself. Obviously, I'm yeah. like not doing a very good job. And I'm like, well, man, if you can just kind of explain what you want, I can get it for you. But I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> uh, and like thinking back, he probably just wanted like a reverb or something. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he he basically is just like, fuck it, man. I'll just fucking I'll just do it without it. And so we do some more. He does like another verse. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I hear people like, at one point he stopped and said, maybe this was earlier. He stopped and he goes, this fucking, uh, what did he say? This, El this Elton John looking motherfucker doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's when I, yeah, I was like, I don't look like Elton John, bro. That's when I started getting <laughs> mad. Um, but yeah, at some point he finally stops and he just goes, get up, like in the middle of a take, like while he's rapping, he just stops rapping and he goes, get up. And I'm like, what? And I'm like looking behind me, <laughs> you know, and he's like, you get the fuck up. And so I stood out of my seat and some other guy just like came and sat down in the engineering seat. <laughs> wow. And I was like, I just like put my head down and like walked out and just sat down at the front desk and felt like shit. And, uh. <laughs> And I will say that they, his manager came out later and was like, hey, man, what's your hour rate? And they paid me for an hour. What? <laughs> they paid <laughs> me awesome. like 40 bucks or whatever. And uh, yeah, that kind of ruined my hip hop career. Um, <laughs> but I just didn't. in the end. Yeah. I just didn't know hip hop well at that time. It's like there's a whole different kind of culture to it but like musically speaking there's a whole different culture to recording hip-hop it's like there's a terminology that they have that i didn't have because i didn't know the music well so yeah just kind of learn your place <laughs> you learn going where from you fit like in bands to recording hip-hop you think it's gonna be just as like intense and difficult which it can be yeah but it's a little bit more like like standard of what's used yeah. And so it's kind of like you're kind of like working it up like what 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 is it? What is it? What do you need? What do you need? And it's like a simple delay, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like most guys that do hip hop would have immediately been like they would have already first of all had a template set up with it already going to every single effect. I know from like looking at friends that do hip hops like their templates and stuff. 
they're just ready to go to where they pull a fader up and it's like, oh, that's exactly what, you know, yeah. the typical thing. Well, that was like a welcome home party, like random. Yeah, I remember when I came back, uh, like parts of the steps were like broken off and <laughs> yeah. it was like still people cleaning up. I think I had to go in there and clean up some stuff after. Yeah, we had like, even there. We had the those fucking ozonators that were like yeah. super unhealthy to breathe in, but it it just killed um, the smell of weed or whatever. I remember one day we had, I was working at the front desk and we had a hip hop client in C and in the Neve room, just down the hallway a little bit, we had a children's choir and the hip hop <laughs> guys were like, you know, smoking up like crazy. And then the, there's like these kids and they were literally saying like, what's that smell? <laughs> it's like a Christian children's choir. Oh, man. And I had to like go into the, the studio scene and be like, hey, can you guys, um, I don't know, maybe stop smoking weed? Because <laughs> like, Dude, we usually we let them in work sometimes when I think back about like how it went down. Yeah. Yeah, it was, <clears throat> there was a lot of stories out of quad for sure. There was a weird culture there that was interesting. That's the cool thing about recording is just having like a bunch of these crazy stories. Like, do you have any other like behind the scenes stories up your sleeve? Oh, let me think. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I can talk about. The clients yeah. at the tracking room are much typically, not always, but a lot of them were bigger sort of names. For instance, I, I worked with Deep Purple on a couple records. Um, <clears throat> which was really awesome. I don't really have any specific stories that I can share from that, but but it was really cool. Like for for example, one day they were just talking about like smoke on the water and like the process wow. of recording that song for the first time. I mean, and basically the the process of recording that's that song is in the lyrics of the song. Like they talk about going to a hotel and recording in like in a motel room or something. Mm -hmm. um, but hearing them talk about that was really cool. I've worked with a few country legends um, like Ray Price. I worked with that quad. Um, yeah. Hearing him just tell stories and shoot the shit was awesome. And then like Merle Haggard, I worked with at the tracking room. And both of them was like probably their last their last studio session before they passed. So being there was really awesome. And, and just hearing them, you know, those old guys just kind of like record a couple takes and then they just sit and talk for like an hour. Uh -huh. So, um, so that was really interesting to be a fly on the wall for, for all that. Yeah. We had a session that was, uh, me and my friend Brett at quad quad actually has the weirder stories than tracking tracking yeah, right. was very professional. <laughs> um, you know, there were plenty of late sessions that we would end up like drinking and having a good time, but I can't remember many like crazy stories from, from tracking room other than the awesome clients we had. But, uh, I remember at quad, we had one session that was this guy that was like homeless and, you know, just getting over like a drug addiction. And I guess some guy with money found him busking one day and was like, I'm going to make you a star. And he like booked him at quad for a week <laughs> and Brett was engineering and I was assistant engineering. And there was this guy producing that was, uh, this like eighties hair metal producer from back in the day like just like Dude. little you know kind of stereotypical jewish man <laughs> that was just kind of like <laughs> we're gonna make a record and 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 it was him and, so, and this like big old homeless dude that was like 
super buff and scary looking. And the combination of those two guys trying to make a record together was really fun, funny to watch. Um, and there was this woman that came in to do vocals, to do background vocals. And I remember she was clearly like kind of coked up and, yeah. uh, and between her and the producer guy who was clearly coked up by the end of the day, um, I guess they were like lovers or something and they had some sort of drama happening and uh, she started crying while she was, I was like recording her doing vocals and she started oh, crying dang. in the middle of the take. And I was like, I was like on talk back, like, it's okay. Like, uh, you want me to get you back at the second chorus? <laughs> Trying to console her uh, while she was like, crying. And then, wow. um, and then the producer guy and and the artist ended up getting in like a almost in a physical fight, which would have been really bad for the producer guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a really weird. It was about the like I guess their argument was about the music. Like the guy was like, "I want to I want to call the shots. It's my music." And the other guy was like, "Wow," was like, "Well, you're not paying for the session. We're paying for the session, so it's my you know." And then that and that hurt his feelings, and he got mad, and they. They they almost got in a fight, and I met my buddy Brett was in the kitchen making a bagel or like cooking a bagel <laughs> on our shitty old toaster, and they literally came from both sides of him and like sandwiched him in, and were yelling at each other, <laughs> and he was just like in the middle of it. I remember seeing that like when I walked out. That was a really wow. weird session, um, but yeah, we got through it. It is funny because I was telling Joanna the other day we were watching that movie where James Franco plays that guy who did that movie The Room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were watching that movie and it was just like all over the place. He spent millions of dollars <laughs> making this movie and yep. everyone involved is just like, what am I doing? Like, is this where my career is <laughs> yeah. brought to brought That's me how to? that and session I was, felt. I was telling her, I was like, dude, it's so weird how, how many times I've been in a session and just kind of thought to myself like, like this is what I wanted. Like, what is going on? Yeah, right now? I, don't, I don't even know. Yeah, <clears throat> I've been there a lot. Um, more so at quad than the tracking room. Like I said, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the tracking room is is like uh, you with the bigger clients where I'm at in my career right now. It's like yeah, I get to work with the big name, but when I'm with the bigger clients, I'm lower on the totem pole. You know. Yeah. So to be like 30 years old now and still be like, someone will ask me to get him coffee or something. And I'm like, I have to, st yeah. I have to stifle my ego a bit and be like, yeah, man, cool. You know what I mean? And then, and then like the next day I'll work with an up and coming artist and be like the producer. And then, and they're just like, whoa, you've worked with who? Like, it's just your, you, your ego just depends on who the artist is. You just have to conform. Um, but yeah, I've definitely worked yeah. with plenty of artists where the music is, makes me question what I'm doing. Uh, what what was like your biggest f up, so to speak, like while working in the music industry? Would it be the rap session? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's definitely a story worth telling. I don't consider that really a fuck up because I never set out to be like in the rap world. Yeah. Um, so for me, that was one of the rare. Granted, I was stressed as hell and like felt like shit for about a month after that. But 
that wasn't, I didn't, I, I didn't go into that session being like, this is my big shot. Like I have to do this well. Um, right. There's been one time at the tracking room and this answer gets a little technical, but I was on a rascal flat session, um, as the assistant engineer, I, we have this bat in the machine room where basically the, the max, the Mac computer is and like all the hardware for it. Yeah. We have this battery backup system that all the, um, <clears throat> or that most of the HDX like, um, interfaces are connected mm-hmm. so that if the, uh, power goes out, you know, it doesn't just shut the computer and everything off and you can save the session. So I plugged in one more at the time we had, we had six HDX pro tools, um, interfaces, which is like 96 ins and outs, which is, I mean, we were totally stacked with hardware and four of the six were plugged into that thing. Well, I plugged one more into it. Um, just cause I figured the more stuff that's backed up with the battery, the better. Well, I did that not realizing that that load was too much for the battery backup system. I didn't think anything of it. And we went in there and we were doing the session and, um, in the middle of rascal flats recording, the computer just shuts off (laughs) (laughs) and the whole, like all the interface, everything just shuts off and like in the middle of a take. And I immediately know what it is. Cause I, (laughs) cause I had seen this happen once before. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck. And the the engineer just looks at me like, what the fuck? Just like pissed <laughs> as hell. Because <laughs> he's going to get the blame for this. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, sorry, guys. Uh, let me just check something out real quick. So I run into the machine room. Um, and luckily, I think, you know, they had session auto session backup or whatever. So they yeah. had, you know, everything up till that take. But um yeah, that was a bad moment for me. Let me think. There was another time, and this wasn't this one wasn't me fucking up, but it was stressful. It was a um a live performance on the home shopping network. Um <laughs> and this is the most stressful session I've ever had. It was uh was it Martina McBride? I can't remember if it was I think it was Martina McBride's. Um and Basically, and we never do, you know, live uh, streams like this. You know what I mean? Uh And basically the day of like, you know, the whole day before was us preparing and setting stuff up. And the whole morning of was us setting stuff up after we had everything set up and and already had done some rehearsals. um, Our Pro Tools rig, like the clock dropped once. And that's like something you can't really control. It's like. Oh, so it happened once. Is it going to happen in the middle of the broadcast? Because it shuts every, it just mutes everything. Yeah. And it pops, you know what I mean? And I was like, so this is going to happen on Home Shopping Network while who knows how many people are watching TV, watching her perform like something for her new album. So there's a chance that it could just totally screw this up. Like, and I kind of realized the gravity up like Bryce Roberts engineer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I kind of realized the gravity of the, of the situation, even though it was just one little tick, I was like, okay, so this could like be a detrimental thing that could happen in my career right here. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, and so we, what we ended up doing, luckily 
tracking room was affiliated with a live sound production company. So what we ended up doing is renting like a different um, Maddie box, which this is this gets mm-hmm. really technical, but that's what ca- caused the tick is like the digital interface basically that we were using to convert the signal and go to the the truck or whatever. Anyways, um, we ended up replacing that with a different brand to be safe and making sure that worked. And then we had our backup was like a whole digital console that we basically um, split the signal and went to this digital console to avoid our rig altogether and had that set up to where the guys in the um, broadcast truck could just press a button if something messed up and they could switch it to the digital console mix. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like all this stuff we had to do just because that one little tick. But wow. yeah, that made me just like that hip hop session made me not want to do rap music. Like that made me <laughs> never want to do broadcast. Dude, I started doing like radio broadcast stuff. Uh, about four years ago. Yeah. And I've never in my life felt so such an intense anxiety. <clears throat> yeah. Because everything is like on the fly. You have to hit these buttons at a certain time for all of it to just be in sync. Oh, yeah, or I else hate that. Everybody hears you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one thing doing live sound. Live sound is kind of stressful in that way, but if something happens... It's like everybody looks at you and you're just kind of like, at least you have some face-to-face recognition with the audience. Whereas in broadcasts, if something happens, you're just, you're thinking the worst. Like, oh no, the the audience is just like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's weird. You're like the man behind the curtain with the broadcast stuff. I don't like that. It's horrible, dude. I hate it. I mean, it got to a point where it just felt like uh second nature just to kind of hit the buttons and stuff but yeah. i still felt that like i had i would wake up in the middle of the night like i forgot to hit the button you know <laughs> yeah like it's horrible dude oh that's terrible uh what what record that that are you the most proud of as far as like how the recording was approached and maybe any producing that you had with it like anything cool you guys did um I wish I could play the stuff I've been working on now, which I don't know that yeah. I can really talk about because um, I actually produced all of it and I haven't done a whole lot of producing. Um, there's a band called South for Winter that I did that I did a lot of tracking with um, last year and it's kind of a folk rock thing. Uh, and that stuff turned out really cool. I didn't mix it. My, my friend Matt Lay, who also worked at the tracking room, mixed it and produced it. But I think the tracking sounds really good, uh, and we kind of pushed him to a new level, I think, musically, whereas it was kind of cool folk project, and we kind of turned it into this heavier, bigger sound. Um, there's a band called Forest Fire Gospel Choir that I recorded a lot of their stuff in the past couple of years, and a lot of it felt pretty cool and experimental. There's an album that's going to come out at some point, hopefully in the next year, that I did all the tracking and mixing for, and they don't even have a name yet, so there's no point in me talking about it, (laughs) but I wish that they would release it already because it's going to be a really, really cool album. It was kind of like, it was, it kind of felt like, I don't know, like the Beatles experimenting, you know? Wow back in the day like it's it's just a very experimental sort of rock album and it has f- kind of country and folk elements um 
it's all meld, melded together in a really cool way. And we experimented a lot. And basically I just worked on it with them in the off hours of the studio. So to have all this studio time dedicated towards this project with people that wanted to experiment musically yeah, was really cool. And that's such a rare thing now that I think it comes across in the album. So I can't wait till that's out. But like I said, there's no, <laughs> they've, they put a pin on <laughs> it with like, COVID and you know just the whole world that we're in right now so hopefully it comes out soon they don't even have a band name yet so again edit all this shit out if it doesn't matter <laughs> but um <laughs> no that's cool like do you feel like um I mean you you hit it on on the head there when you said that that's that doesn't really happen anymore that was kind of one of the things that I appreciated the most as artists that would come in and say like what can you do to this song, you know, instead of just having a generic sound in your head and and saying like, okay, well, I'm going to approach it this way, just trust me. Like, yeah. How often how often are you able to do that and do you try to convince people to let you do that? Um very rarely am I in a position to do that. Uh more so recently with an artist that I've been producing um Cause you're mainly working with like, uh, managers and producers and stuff. Yeah. Normally like I'm under a producer and often yeah. another engineer as well. So with the bigger artists, it's kind of like, Impossible, I hate to yeah. say, I mean, a lot of that's just kind of like cooking a hot dog with those artists. A lot of times <laughs> I will say, uh, <laughs> along those lines, deep purple is uh, exactly as they probably were in the seventies. I mean, musically and like, their passion for experimenting with music and, you know, make writing badass riffs and whatnot, like <clears throat> working with them felt pretty inspiring in that way. Um, but yeah, it's rare that we really get to in the studio realm in the big studio realm. It's rare that rare that we work with artists that want to experiment and have money and time to experiment. Um, it's just, the it's a weird way the music business is now. It's like, when you have enough money to book out a big, nice studio, you're just going to kind of stick to the script. Typically yeah. speaking, <clears throat> uh, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that pushed me away from the big city mm -hmm. music stuff was that I felt, you, you know, I mean, and my thing is like, I like raw music. I like music. That's like really bad in a way. Oh yeah. That, you know, you leave things in there that shouldn't be in there. Yeah. And that's how records used to be cut back in the day. Like you used to experiment like the deep purple, like those guys come from a time where that's how records were made. Right. And so they're super cool about that. And yeah, it, it did feel like just like herding cattle every yeah. day and the same thing over and over. And I was like, you know, this isn't, it, it made me really listen to music different. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't liking that. Yeah, for sure. And so much of that stuff I do. Uh, and it how do feels, you keep, how do you keep like not falling into that since you're, you're pretty immersed in it? Yeah. Well, it, it feels like work when you're on those kind of sessions to an extent, you kind of, you kind of have to dig into the sound, the sonic aspect of it. For example, if I'm tracking a, a country band and it kind of sounds like, you know, they just want to be pop country or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm fulfilled enough as far as a job is concerned, just trying to get good drum sounds and make it all mix well. 
and that's fulfilling enough for me as far as a job is concerned, but not artistically speaking. Um, and then every now and then it's just about having a balance. It's like, you want to, you want to work with that cause that has the money, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you want to work with artists that, uh, are maybe a little more creative and inspired in some ways. And that gives you some more artistic sort of, uh, fulfillment. And then, you know, I just work on my own music on the side and that, <clears throat> that gives me artistic ful fulfillment as well. Um, but I definitely have to remind myself when I'm busy, it's like, you know, when I'm driving to the studio or, or taking a shower or whatever it is, like listen to some music that I like and remind myself to kind of keep that passion because it's definitely mm -hmm. easy to lose. I would say I started producing an artist. Um, I won't say his name because I don't know if I can yet, but um, <laughs> an artist who's in the country realm and uh, and just out of kind of out of the blue, he, he I tracked his album a few years ago and he just wanted me to produce because he had a good experience or whatever. Um, and I don't do a whole lot of producing in country music, especially, mm -hmm. uh, but even though it's kind of pop country, I was able, I, I feel like I'm able to kind of put a stamp on it from my influences. If he'll let me, you know what I mean? It's always like yeah. his discretion. I don't want to piss off a client, but like it's fun, even though it's not music that I love per se, it's like, it's fun to be able to put my stamp on a country project that comes from way outside of country, like with my musical experience and, and influences. Um, so seeing, how far you can kind of push the pop country genre. Cause you know, that's huh. the one cool thing about that genre now is that it is more flexible than it used to be. And that's good or bad. It's like, you know, the bro country things isn't, isn't usually that awesome, but at least they're willing to have, you know, a young gay black guy making country music that sounds halfway hip hop. Yeah. It's like, yeah, <clears throat> a lot of people shit on that, but I'm like, well, at least they're like, trying new things and experimenting it's like just don't call it country if it pisses you off i don't care you know yeah what would be your ideal session like say you were like i'm gonna i'm gonna create a demo for myself as an engineer and and what i'm hearing in my head like and you get to go out and grab musicians and bring them in the studio and make a record like what is that ideal record um Man, it's hard to answer because I feel like I try to do that, do that with my own music, my own songwriting that I just kind of mess around with at home or whatever. And it's hard to find a voice because I have so much that I want to add to it and like so many influences that I want to meld. But uh, in general, I would say it feels genuine and sort of passionate and it has probably some rock elements maybe some big guitar sounds or whatever. I grew up listening to like metal when I was a kid. I was like a metal nerd and, and bands and stuff. And I still like just kind of the heavy feeling of that. And I'm really into kind of synth sounds nowadays. I have all the, I have like, you know, the Omnisphere and the Archeria bundle and all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I've been just been playing with virtual synths a lot. I wish I could afford the, the analog stuff, but, um, I love the ability to manipulate that. And then I also love folk music. So <laughs> how do I, you know, I love like finger style folk guitar and stuff like that and ambient music. So some way of melding those, if a band came in, I don't know if I could put together these musicians that are great at each of one of those things mm -hmm. and produce that, that would be really awesome. I can't say it would make any money, but <laughs> it'd be a lot of fun to play with. 
Yeah, I know a lot of like, you know, hit stuff usually stems from all these different genres and, and someone placing them just right. Yeah. It's just so hard um, to do for sure. Yeah. I mean, so finding a musical identity uh, is the hardest part for sure. Um, so what's next for you and how are you handling the COVID stuff and the ever changing world that is Nashville? Yeah. Um, so I'm still trying to get my footing. I've, I've, I think my goal now is to just do freelance work. Um, as much as I can. Studios have been back open here for a couple of weeks and uh, a lot of them are really taking the social distancing thing serious, which is good. Um, but it's definitely like, you know, they're booking at 50% or so. Um, the odd thing about my position is that the tracking room closed right when the shutdown happened for COVID, almost mm -hmm. exactly. It closed at the very end of March, but it was totally unrelated. Like we closed because the real estate's just basically too expensive to wow. have a studio business. Um, and you know how that is. I mean, having lived in Nashville for a while, yeah, studios are just dropping left and totally right. Totally different, yeah. So Tracking Room was a victim of that, and I was already preparing myself to have to face kind of a new new waters with my career. Um, and then everything just shut down. So I'm trying to just, I've done some production work, like I said, I've had a few gigs here and there. I have some sessions at Ocean Way next week, um, which is my first time to work there. So I'm kind of cool. sprouting out, and I feel like I have a network of people that should be um, supportive enough and know that I've done a good job to where they'll hire me. But it's definitely, it knocks you down a little bit on the totem pole. Um, and you kind of just have to take whatever gigs you can get for a while. But really, my, my end goal now is to do more freelance work. Um, I built out, I'm in the process of building out kind of a mixed space in my home that's actually mm -hmm. treated acoustically. Um, so I want to be able to do mixing at home. Um, I want to get hired to do tracking at studios as a first engineer or as a producer, ideally. Yeah. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm kind of taking that leap into being my own business. Yeah, selling selling yourself. That's, that's a whole nother world and you know that that's that that must be difficult i'm sure like to have that, that that's what's up with like the music industry it's it's people say like you know it's tough don't go into it and yeah it is very tough but if you understand the dynamics of it and the sort of politics of it you can handle it but it just still takes a toll on you for someone like you to have so many credits behind you and not being able to technically use that as a resume to say like I can get a gig anywhere I want. Yeah, it's like, not what people think it is. Like Yeah. If people see if people look at my all music, they they will they will say like, Oh dude, you've got this in the bag. Like you can get any gig you want. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're completely wrong. Like um you know, and I even won like last year I won I'm from Arkansas and I won the Arkansas country music award sound engineer of the year, which seemed just absolutely stupid that I would win that award and have to get up in front of a bunch of people and like give a speech. It's like no, none of these people have ever <laughs> hired me for a session. No one knows who I am here. Um, and yeah, it's just the, the integrity 
doesn't really match the finances of the music business right now. Yeah. And the big names uh, definitely don't mean money and don't mean like a lot of work. It's just, I know guys that are way more experienced and more accomplished than I am that are still like, you know, maybe they have some mouths to feed at home or whatever. And they're like, I don't know if, you know, I don't know how much longer I can stay in this business. I mean, it's tough. Um, yeah, it's definitely a grind, but it's, you know, on a positive note, it's definitely possible to, uh, to stay in there. But it goes back to my thing about the ego. It's like, you really can't have an ego in this, in this business. Like, you know, maybe I don't get a first engineering gig for a while and I have to do assistant engineering some more. It's like, you gotta be okay with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's more of like a self understanding, like within, instead of like what, what people see on the outside, you gotta accept within you, like, Hey, I may have to take a step back big mm-hmm. time and that's going to suck. Yeah, exactly. And then there's but, a strategic aspect to it where it's like, well, I can't take too much of a step back. Um, cause then I might get pigeonholed in this kind of arena yeah. or, or I don't want to be like right now I'm kind of like I could, the one thing I probably could do is get a staff job at another good studio. Um, but if I do that at this point in my career, like eight years in of, from doing this professionally, I'm just going to be that guy that people remember as like, Oh, he's like the staff guy. He jumps around and does yeah. assistant engineering at studios around town. But like, no, I want to be like the guy that's hiring musicians. You know what I mean? And I think I'd be better yeah. at that than, than at what I do now. So I'm just gonna keep pushing. Yeah. I think it almost kind of fell in the right. I mean, it's a weird time, but you know, to kind of take another seat in the industry. And like you were saying, it's time to kind of sell yourself. And because I mean, in the end, when you sell yourself, it's, it's not the same as like, you know, cause you've been in two situations where the studio you were at, yeah, like closed, you know, but once you're pushing yourself, it, that can't really happen even if a place closes. Yeah, yeah, if you have the confidence um, internally and kind of the the passion for what you're doing, um, yeah, it doesn't stop you. I mean, there's definitely other other pads to jump on. Like, um, it's just a matter of how, it's a matter of just using the right strategy, calling the right people. It's like there's all kinds of people you can call, but calling the guys that, you know, you left an impression on, and also they would hire you to to do the kind of work that you want to do to move up in your career. Um, yeah, it's about just using that strategically, strategic yeah. networking. Yeah, that networking's definitely huge. That's that's a, a big part of of that too is, you know, get <laughs> the whole freaking networking thing. It's 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 a lot of. It's a lot of work, man. Sometimes I, I'm like, whatever happened to the whole nine to five? Like, why did I complain about that? Oh, I know. Yeah, I feel like that all the time. Uh, but I love it and hate it. You know, the hours, yeah. the hours of the business I love and hate. It's nice to have, you know, it's like today's Monday and I just have the day off. But then yep. tomorrow I got to go set up for something, you know, like t- at 10 o'clock at night. 
and then I'll be working late hours the next two days. And then, and then I have the next day off, you know, it's just random. Um, keeps you on your toes. Um, so I know you mentioned a couple of times that, you know, about your own music and that you're doing your own music. I know that you grew up listening to metal, like you like folk. Yeah. Are what, what, sort of music are you writing right now i'm really um i'm really digging into the synth sort of world right now um uh but all the kind of the feeling of my music that i've always written has even though it's been different uh it's been conveyed in a different way the feeling the musicality um has always kind of felt the same and and the music i've always written since i was a kid um so yeah, right now I'm kind of exploring synth sounds and, and exploring, you know, making tracks and kind of having, it's sort of, sort of like a dream poppy sort of thing, I guess. Um, I like, I like the room it leaves for vocal melodies, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I haven't always explored, especially in metal. It's like, there's, there's hardly vocal melodies, you know, you just kind of like vocals are an afterthought in a lot of metal yeah. music. Um, and then with folk music, I was always more concentrated on, uh, sort of the technique and, and the guitar aspect of it, which I still love. And I still play guitar all the time. And it's more of like a internal fulfillment I get from it. But yeah, I'm really trying to dig into a synth sort of synth poppy sort of, um, ambient dream pop sound, I guess. I don't know. Um, I love I love the way that different synth sounds can make you feel. And it's, and I think this is why a lot of people have been in the indie world have been digging into synths synths more lately um, because there's just the options are endless with kind of the tonality of it. So that's been fun. And it makes me a better engineer to an extent to try to play with, get different sounds out of a synth. And it's like, if you're mixing a song like that, it's like instead of carving some EQs on it, you can actually open up the virtual instrument and change the sound, you know. So uh, so that's been fun. I have, like I said earlier, I have like a million songs that are almost done and I just have to finish them. I have to write lyrics for them mostly. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where like I take those song, those half-finished songs and I – I just kind of conclude them as half finished songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I've this done that before and I'm verse. trying not <laughs> to do that now. I'm trying to actually accomplish something before I get distracted and do something new. <clears throat> um, that's how my, my songs were in the past. Like I would take the melody for this song and just butt it up against this other one. Yeah. And it's just like a total key change and it's like, enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes for some genres that works, you know. Well, man, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, you have come a long way in your journey, especially since the last time, like I was working with you. Yeah. And you got engineer of the year in your home state. I bet that was a huge. I bet that felt like a huge accomplishment yeah it did it just didn't feel it felt like i didn't deserve it (laughs) i'm still trying to be like am i the kind of guy that deserves an award like not really at not at this point (laughs) hopefully in the future hopefully it's you know i'll get more of this in the future and feel like i deserve it 
Um, yeah, it's definitely bizarre. Well, but you, you, you're really making a way for yourself. You're a good dude. Like anybody who I'm sure you've worked with will be willing to work with you again. So that's all that matters. And I think, I mean, I think you deserve the engineer award versus the, uh, home studio of some people I know over there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a small pool in Arkansas, but thanks man. Appreciate that. But, uh, if, if there's anything else that we didn't get to that you need to mention, another thing I was going to ask you is like, where can people contact you if they want something mixed since you're trying to get more of the mixing gigs and what is kind of your go-to genre of like, you're like, I'm really good at this. Yeah. Uh, what I've done most of is sort of the rock and country side of things or the folk side of things. Um, Country's been my bread and butter, but I'm really passionate about rock music and about folk music, so I'm trying to do more of that. Um, So, yeah, they can reach me. I mean, honestly, like, I'm easy to reach. Hit me up on Facebook, um, Bryce Roberts, B-R-Y-C-E, Roberts. Um, Or my email is BryceJordanRoberts at gmail.com. So, yeah, you can anybody can feel free to hit me, and if they have a certain amount that they're willing to spend, you know, I'm, I'm... I'll work with people on their budgets to an extent. So, um, yeah, reach out. Yeah, that's cool. And I'll link your, uh, all music below too, because there's a lot of stuff that you've worked on that I wish we could show on here, but it's, it's too high up on the scale and I will get sued. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. But if anyone wants to see specifically things that you've worked on and what you did, I'll have that link down and, uh, yeah, dude. Awesome. Well, thanks, Fabio. I appreciate you uh, hit me up for this. You're welcome, Dad. <laughs> Have a good day, son. <laughs>